0: Good morning everybody it is Wednesday 29th of September and obviously a bit of a blowout overnight Dow Jones down 569 points I wouldn't get too concerned the S&P 500 is only 4.4% off the top but we have seen our two biggest one day drops for some time in the last seven days in the U.S. market. And the NASDAQ had a big fall last night, down 2.83%. That's the biggest fall since March. The S&P 500 had its biggest fall since May. So the market being led down by big tech stocks. 12% of the S&P 500 is now down 20% from its highs. And 50% of the S&P 500 is down 10% from its highs. So clearly a bit of a pivot point going on. The VIX volatility index also jumped 23% and seems to be trending up a bit. The iron ore price down 5.3% overnight didn't help but the iron ore stocks took a real beating yesterday. So their moves today are reasonably muted. They're still underperforming. It's not as bad as it could be. But the main problem, of course, is as I was saying yesterday, it's back to interest rates. The 10 year bond yield has popped overnight. It's now 1.5641%, up from 1.296% a few days ago. And this all comes in the wake, of course, of the FOMC meeting last week, which has said that interest rates are going to be going up probably next year, which is a bit sooner rather than later, and also that tapering is coming. Whether it's this year or next year, we don't know. But the equity market didn't really respond negatively to the FOMC meeting last week. But the bond market clearly took it on board and bond yields are going up. And now the equity market is beginning to wake up to the problem. The Fed have gone so slowly on passing this message about tapering because of the taper tantrum in 2018. The S&P 500 fell 20.21% from top to bottom in three months in 2018 as the Fed started to taper and then they reversed everything because of the markets. They have to look after the elite billionaires on Wall Street after all, wouldn't want them losing any money. So they've been paranoid about another taper tantrum. But at some point, we're going to have to take some pain. The S&P 500 up 107% from the pandemic low and has since come 4.4% off the top. And we've been set up for a bit of a sell-off, not so much on macroeconomic reasons, but for price reasons or valuation reasons. And you can look at a host of those, from the exuberance in tech stocks that don't earn any money, to the exuberance in tech stocks that earn a heck of a lot of money, to the market PE in the US, the S&P 500 on around 21 times, where long-term it's... Traded on around 16 and a half times. There are all sorts of other valuation considerations like the value of the S&P 500 relative to the US GDP. It's at the highest value since the tech boom. We've been set up for a bit of a sell-off for some months now. We wrote that signs of the top. You can I've written a strategy piece today in the newsletter. In the strategy piece today, you'll see a link to that signs of the top article. That was written a couple of months ago so this has been bubbling along but now it looks like there is a bit of a pivot point and you like me are probably thinking why didn't I sell when everything was so relaxed and my portfolio was worth X and now it's worth X minus a lot in some cases for those of you who are actively trading particularly in hot sectors no 6% fall for you a lot of you will find yourselves down 20 or 30% very quickly if you've been actively trading playing the hot spots so let me just run through some of the quick reasons you'll see all this in the strategy piece today but let me run through a few of the reasons we've talked about a sharp rise in the 10-year bond yield that's really the main issue it seems certainly the issue that the news wires and tv have homed in on overnight other issues include a series of chinese gdp downgrades this has been going on for a while. It's not exactly new news. Goldman's downgraded their GDP, Chinese GDP number overnight. As I say, it shouldn't really be surprised. China cutting back on production as it tries to reduce emissions, particularly steel producers. They've had their own breakout of Delta power shortages, all sorts of reasons. Another excuse is this infrastructure bill that just doesn't get done in the US. Another one is the debt ceiling bill. Janet Yellen overnight has said that it could do some serious harm to the economy if they don't get the debt ceiling bill passed. Anyone who's been around in the market will know this periodically happens that they have to raise the debt ceiling and every politician and his dog starts to play a game of brinksmanship as they try to extract political and budget favors before they pass the bill it always gets done in the end it never has a long-term impact on the stock market but it can create a lot of volatility in the short term and could do a gain. it could do some serious harm to the economy for a week or two but not in the long term it always resolves itself then there's the evergreen problem of course we'll see what that does when the market hong kong market opens at 11 o'clock The Chinese market goes on holiday on Friday. I assume the Hong Kong market will shut as well, in which case we won't really get much in the way of Evergrande feed. But the Evergrande debt problem remains an issue. There are some headlines about the Chinese providing some reassurances, but I've yet to see that in official headlines. This is the one factor that really could blow up. Every so often, the market has a 10 to 15% correction, usually about or statistically about once every three years. They're quite normal. You'll find an excuse for it after it happens. And maybe that's what we're in for. Nothing that would really worry an investor too much. But every so often, every 10 years or so, GFC, pandemic, the market has a 30 to 50% correction. And even investors really must be awake to those took 10 years for the market to get back to pre GFC levels. So although some investors will tell you, well, that proves that everything's okay in the long term, you don't have to trade. The truth of the matter was, if you'd perfectly timed the GFC, you would have saved yourself 10 years of investment returns, rebuilding the money you had. So Occasionally, there are these large corrections. The only excuse I could see for that now would be the ever-grand debt problem turning into a Western world financial system meltdown or rather freeze up. So keep an eye on that. But I don't think that's why the market's coming off at the moment. It's coming up because it's gone up so much and it's found interest rates and a bunch of other things as an excuse. For Australia, of course, we've had the iron ore price going down as well. And I can't help feeling that that could be somewhere near the the lows, too late to sell, looking to buy. And then overnight, the TV commentators and their guess is as good as yours. Let me tell you, the TV commentators have honed in on the charts because they've got nothing else to go on when trying to predict the future. And they're showing the S&P 500 breaking through the 50-day moving average, about to break through the 100-day moving average, possibly find resistance at the 150-day moving average lines on a chart. It's all a bunch of hocus-pocus, but when you're completely lost at sea, any flagpole, well, you don't get flagpoles at sea, anything to hold on to when you're lost, you will hold on to. So the charts are it, and it's quite clear that there is some pivot point, but... I've put a lot of charts in the S&P 500, uh, sorry, in the strategy piece today, including the S&P 500. And you'll see it's still in a big uptrend. It's moving from top to bottom of the trading range, but there's no major break of trend yet. Could easily bottom in the short term. So there's nothing of major stress there for investors to worry about anyway. And they've also picked up on the topping out of major tech stocks. And I've put in the strategy piece, Microsoft, Amazon, Alphabet, Facebook. Truth of the matter is, again, they haven't broken the big uptrends they've been in since the pandemic, since before the pandemic for some of them like Microsoft. And they do look to be heading from the top to the bottom of the trading range, but that wouldn't be disastrous. But there is some topping out. It's short term stuff though. Again, wouldn't be really worrying investors too much. So choose your excuse. Ultimately, that list of excuses is just excuses. I mean, when the market tips over, you can find lots of excuses. And most of them existed two months ago. So why are we falling over now? All these excuses come in hindsight for why people are taking profits. But the main excuse is not on the list. And the main one is because other people, whoever they are, are selling. Some big institution somewhere has looked up from the trees and decided to exit the woods and everyone else who's look still looking at the trees are getting nailed in the background by the market being on the move and they're only now deciding whether to follow or not some obviously have but those stories of how fabulous all these tech stocks are all these no earnings stocks are the future of electric vehicles the future of clean energy and uranium the demand for lithium all these stories get forgotten especially in the hot stocks when faith is lost And for many of us, many of you, and for many people in the equity markets, when you see this sort of sell off and you see your portfolio suddenly worth significantly less, the game is sell first, think later. And that's perfectly normal. Nothing wrong with that. And it seems to have started. Yes, we might bounce today. We were down 105. Today we're only down 72 Short term, short term is quite clear on the bigger charts. There is potentially a bigger pivot point going on. Now, a few bullet points about if this market does have a more significant correction than moving from top to bottom of the range. First observation is there's nothing terribly wrong. Yes, interest rates going up can hurt the market. There's a bit of overpricing as well, but for the moment, it's just herd stuff. Only only the Evergrande blow up could really kill us, I think, from this stage. And that seems to be getting less likely. So this is probably little more than herd stuff. Plus, our biggest sector's resources have already had an absolute flogging. So I doubt there's too much downside there. The banks like higher interest rates in the short term. It improves margins. And they are essentially a defensive sector. They're not going to be immune but they're not exactly big tech stocks sitting with ridiculous valuations. So our two biggest sectors are probably a little bit defensive. The main problem is going to come in high valued stocks, the same as the US tech stocks are going to follow what the US does. And APT, I think Square Inc, which is merging with APT Afterpay, was down 6% in the US overnight. So that's going to lead us down anyway. APT down 3.1% today. But you can see the weakness in the tech stocks today relative to the rest of the market. Very noticeable. So check how much tech you have got That might be one place to take a profit, just in case. Hot sectors are going to see profit taking, always do. Most of the hot stocks are small stocks as well. They always take a sell-off pretty hard. So that's the first place you'd look to take a profit or to get out of in order to get back in. A lot of the themes in these hot sectors, be it uranium or lithium or nickel or copper, are long-term themes. So this is a blow-the-froth-off moment. And only really active traders, and active traders are the only people really playing in these sectors, would be selling. But with a view to buying back, because the longer term theme will doubtless come back at some point. Another observation is the best you can do now is realize that this is a bit of guesswork. The correction will end and you will not be able to predict it. It will end when some big institution, like whatever big institution or institutions had their asset allocation meetings and decided to sell in the last few days and have led everybody else into selling. At some point, the opposite will happen. There'll be some asset allocation meeting at Fidelity in a New York skyscraper or some massive fund manager in a London dungeon somewhere, and they will make a decision which could be wrong. (laughs) That's the laughable thing. Fund managers are only trying to do their best. They're not gods. They don't know. But if they're big enough, they will move the market. So at some point, some big institution could erroneously decide to start buying the market and turn this whole thing around. You cannot time that. You do not know. So what I'm suggesting to you is you just in moments of volatility and not knowing what to do as as we have now. You have to make your own personal decision and the decision will depend on how active you are, what your level of risk is. And there's a scale from active traders who will be taking profits on everything now to long term don't disturb me investors who will continue to profess their faith in the long term, which is probably correct and do nothing. Neither approaches is wrong. But you are probably sitting on some scale in the middle of that. In fact, a lot of our demographic would profess to be investors, in which case this I don't think is enough to scare you yet. There's nothing majorly wrong unless Evergrande goes wrong. But you might be somewhere on the scale. And the way to work that out is to have a look down your stocks and see what you're holding. Are you a trader or are you a don't disturb me investor? Some stocks will be trades, some stocks will be investments. Make your own minds up. I've written about what I would do. I can't actually do too much because I'm very limited on what I can trade depending on what I'm writing about in the newsletter. We have periods where we're not allowed to trade in stocks we've written about. So I don't do too much, but I do sometimes hanker to be a citizen. <laughs> rather than a licensed financial advisor. As a citizen, you can do what you want, when you want, on the click of a button. And I can tell you, if I was a member of the investing public, I would have clicked those sell buttons probably when the Evergrande thing happened a week ago. Just over a week ago. Probably would have bought some iron ore in the last week, as the iron ore price bottomed. And that would probably be me at the moment if I was active. You have to decide where you are on the spectrum, whether you want to cash up so you can take advantage of any market sell off, depending on how fearful you are, how much money you've got, how desperate you are. It's all a personal decision, as I say. If it was me, I'm active. i look at everything every day. I'd be out of everything, waking up tomorrow, hoping the market cocks up. But that's me. I'm not you. You have to make your own call, look at your own holdings, consider your own stress levels, decide what to do. No one knows. There is no one decision for everybody. And when you've made your decision, you can, but hope it's right on whatever time frame you operate on, because there is no certainty. Right. That's about that. I've got an article at the bottom of the strategy piece today called Having Trouble Selling. This is a classic article that has always... Got a lot of response when it's been in the newspapers over the last 20 years. The article professes to help anyone who has any any indecision about selling. It suggests that if you read the article, you will have sold whatever it is by the time you get to the bottom. Have a read of that. Lastly, worth saying, my comments about what I would do are nothing to do with the Marcus Today SMAs. The SMAs are for investors. They're not going to be reacting or trading in the short term out of fear. SMAs are professionally run, require a process, systems and and have an eye on the long term, not an eye on exploiting today. And as I say, at some point soon, I will disassociate the newsletter from the SMAs because I want the newsletter to have a much more aggressive, possibly short term portfolio, which is probably more a collection of ideas, which is more suited, I think, to a daily newsletter. Right. That's about that. Victorian case numbers over 900. Golf is back on, although it's going to be raining cats and dogs. Typical. That's about that. As I leave you, things are looking a little bit better. Having been a down 105, we are down 74 at the moment. Had a bit of a bounce. Dow futures are up 133. No read on the Evergrande share price in Hong Kong yet. That's about that. You have a fabulous day and I will speak to you tomorrow.